Hi, my name is Tracy Coral, and welcome to Indispensable People. I'm a wife, mom, teacher, pastor, and missionary, and I believe that every person should have the opportunity to know Christ, grow in Him, and serve Him with the gifts that He has given, no matter their ability. Over 65 million Americans have a disability. That's 25% of the population. However, over 80% of them are not inside the walls of our church. Let's dive into those hard topics, biblical foundations, perceptions, and world-changing ideas. Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you today and share a little bit more about the de-escalating. Last week, we talked about um, de-escalating techniques, how we can prevent the situations from getting to the point that um, we need help or the situation becomes out of control. But what about real life situations? Everyday things that you might come across in your disability ministries, serving people with special needs wherever you may be at and how do we handle them? And so typically I do a training I call problem solving. And what I do is I try to help them build a toolbox, so to speak. So that is just some things that you can rely on to go towards in the case that you may come up across the situation that is not typical. So I'm just going to jump right in. Here's situation number one. The disability is autism. The sensory needs are a calm, quiet area, relies on fidgets, and usually is in constant motion. Here's the situation. The volunteer met the guest on the floor where he was sitting playing with the sensory toys. The volunteer began a lesson with him. He began throwing the sensory toys, not out of anger, but was not able to engage in the lesson. The volunteer kept redirecting, but eventually the guests or the individual stood up, grabbed his backpack, and took off out of the room. Now, I say this situation to you because it happened. Okay, so at my church, we were serving a little guy who was brand new to our church. We were just getting to know him, and he uh, was very much in constant movement. And when the volunteer came over to do a lesson with him, the volunteer just had like a picture book to tell the story. What do you think would have changed that situation? Like, I want to put some Jeopardy music on for a minute, give you some time to think. What would you have done to better this situation? What do you know about this little guy? Well, he likes to move. He relies on fidgets. What could we have done? Well, we could have done the lesson in a different way. So we could have asked him to go on the trampoline and say, okay, jump five times and then tell him a part of the story. Okay, jump three times and tell him another part of the story. Have him jump four times and you could keep that going if he needed constant movement to be able to share in in the Bible reading process. The other option is we know that he likes to use fidgets. He wasn't throwing the fidgets that he had out of anger. It was kind of like, a science experiment, or I just need to do something with these things that I have in my hands. So what do we do? How do we incorporate that knowledge that we have for him in this? 
Well, you think, okay, if I'm going to tell a story and he likes to have fidgets, I need something that he can hold on to, that he can make interact, that um, can help tell the story. So you could use little people figures or animal figures, anything like that, that would help you to tell the story. Those are some very simple things that could help to have engaged that individual. Now, let's not forget the elephant in the room here or not in the room because he took off, grabbed his backpack, went out the door. So he wasn't angry. He wasn't upset. um, Nothing was going terribly. But he might have had an impulsive thought where he just wanted to go see mom because that's exactly where he went. He went to where mom sat and he sat right down next to her. So no, not a huge deal. What do we do? We're going to get a plastic doorknob that's a safety thing that is going to at least slow him down from leaving the room in the future. Um, And also know that if he gets up from the floor, I, as the volunteer, am going to get up too because I'm not sure if he's just moving to another space or if he may try to leave the room. And I want to keep in close proximity so that if I need to ask him to stop or to come back, I can do that within a proper distance. So those are just some ideas for that particular situation. Are there other options? There definitely are. Second scenario. Disability is cerebral palsy. The situation is the individual has expressed her feelings of being unworthy and feels that she has nothing to offer her peers or anyone around her because of her disability. She was raised in a non-Christian home, and while she has expressed interest in building relationship with Jesus, her peers outside of the church are not good examples, and she tends to fall back into old ways. How do you handle this situation? Well, again, true story really happened was actually someone that um, participated in some of our respite nights and events through our church. Um, Here's all we can do, because is this not a very familiar story with every other person who has come to know Christ, who is not surrounded by Christ followers in their life? It absolutely is. So what do we do? We disciple and we build relationships. And that's exactly the answer that works best for this. They can't make changes or do things in life that would lead them to Christ if they don't know about them. Second, you provide friendship and relationship so that they can grow in Christ, but also uh, those who are surrounding them that don't have those same beliefs they're they're not the only people now that are surrounding her and providing with a set of beliefs. So um, that's actually a very, very simple, simple one. Now, next one, next situation is uh, the disability was unknown at the time of check-in. So this is a kiddo um, and later identified as ADHD. Sensory needs were completely unknown. The parent did not relate any information. So here's the situation. Due to the parent not relaying the disability at check-in, the child was put into grade-level room in kids' church with no supports. The child seemed to struggle as soon as he was put into that classroom, 
and the child was unable to sit still and follow along with the, the, the lesson, that particular child repeated everything the teacher said out loud and randomly stood up during the lesson. During prayer, he's unfocused, he's walking around um, and not responding to redirection. So how do you handle this situation? You have no information that tells you what works or doesn't work with this child. But what you do know is that he's having a hard time sitting still and listening. So you could assume that some supports to engage would be beneficial. So whether that's um, fidgets, whether that's optional seating, um, such as a beanbag chair or a rocking chair, um, other options are finding ways to help that person engage in the lesson. So if you're going to pray, maybe ask that, that child to pray. If you're going to act out the, the story while teaching, ask him to participate in that acting out. Um, anything to engage them into the lesson. Again, we didn't have information to know what he was like or what he needed or any supports that are typically used. These are things we just had to figure out on the fly. We do that with all of our kids that come on Sunday mornings. There are kids that walk in that are shy. There are kids that are anxious to leave their parents or their siblings. We have kids who walk in um, who are the life of the party and talk all the way through. And we have kids who um, don't participate at all. And none of those kids have disabilities. They're just a part of our kids' ministry. And what do we do? We adapt, we figure them out, and we find ways to help them engage. And that's very typical of what we do um, for kiddos with disabilities that are not identified. Next situation, disability, cerebral palsy, nonverbal. This individual is unable to verbalize any needs and is hard to read any of his gestures. He has a talking device. However, mom forgets to bring it almost all of the time. Again, another real situation. And this particular person um, does not um, verbalize. At times, he points um, there is some um, kind of grunting or gesturing with hands, but not always. And a lot of times when we try to respond and figure it out, he thinks it's absolutely hilarious and laughs at us because we just can't always get it right. So what do we do? We get to know him. We ask lots of questions to mom. Um, we ask that she bring the talking device. We... Um, engage as much as possible. Watch for those little subtle um, interactions where this individual um, enjoys things. I will tell you a story in particular about this person that we were able to figure out. Uh, it was a summer respite that we did differently than most of our other respites. We had a movie night instead of our regular service and activities. And um, this gentleman had been attending with us for quite some time. And he uh, wasn't getting why we switched things up and didn't do the regular schedule. And on that particular day, my son was his buddy. And um, my son knows, you know, no volunteers are alone. And so um, his, this particular guy is trying to go to our fellowship hall, which is where we typically have our services. And so my son sends me a text and he's like, hey, so-and-so is trying to go to the fellowship hall. I think he wants to go to service. 
And so I walk over with my son. We kind of follow this individual um, to the fellowship hall and he goes and he's gesturing towards the televisions that are hanging. And typically on the televisions is where we have um, the worship, whether it's a video worship or it's just the words that go with the songs. And I said to my son, I said, you know what? If he wants service, we're going to give him service. And so we turned on the worship music and um, turned on the TVs. And there, out of nowhere, this individual lifts his hands and he's praising God. And so did we know exactly what he wanted or how he wanted? No. But what we did is we made some inferences based on what we knew about him and the situations he's been in with us and came to a conclusion that I believe we were absolutely correct. Next, another situation, this individual has Down syndrome and hearing loss. The situation is the guest is very particular in who she will body up with. She enjoys being the center of attention, but refuses to participate in any activities. She has a hard time communicating. She has a very coddling mom and can sometimes overpower a volunteer or a leader. So they are very particular about what they like and they don't like it. And let me just tell you this. A lot of times people with disabilities are responsive in that way simply because a lot of people misunderstand their knowledge for being able to express their wants and needs. And so sometimes they have to kind of put their foot down to be like, listen here, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't help them see something else as well. So typically in this situation, I try to put this particular individual with someone that I know that she'll feel comfortable with. I'm not sure why she particularly likes certain people over others. Um, I have noticed that it's an age thing. She prefers younger people over older people. And so we've been able to accommodate that. That's an easy accommodation. Making those accommodations encourages her to interact and participate if we can get her to. Now, the great thing about our respite nights is the activities are available. You can choose to do what you like and choose what not to do based on what your preference are. So for her, this works wonderfully because she has the choice to do things that she likes and choices to, to opt out of things that she doesn't like. So really, we avoid a lot of the de-escalating because we put someone with her she gets along with well. We give her options to choose what she does or does not want to do. And if she doesn't want to do something, then she can sit and have conversation with her buddy. And that's really a big part of what respite nights are about. It's about building relationships and enjoying one another. And so she just does it in the way that she likes best. That doesn't mean we don't encourage her to participate. That doesn't mean that we kind of push the issue here and there with certain things, but we also know when to pull back and let it be. And that works best for this particular person. Now, last one is um, an individual with Down syndrome. The situation is this person is super friendly, loves being around other people, especially the ladies. He is a big time flirt and he loves to steal the show. There's no concept of his personal space and he's constantly pushing the boundaries. 
So how would you handle this situation? Well, I'll tell you how we did. This particular person is a whole lot of fun and we can capitalize and give opportunities to participate and be a part of um, the different uh, sermons and activities and things like that. But we can also be reminded and say and protect ourselves in those um, too touchy-feely kind of things. And so... Uh, we might just have to say, sometimes I'll say, you know what, my, I'm married and I don't think my husband would like that. Or um, that's okay, let's shake hands or high five or fist bump or any of those kinds of things to make sure that we um, keep our personal space. And sometimes you have to be direct and you have to say, okay, we're going to, I'm just going to take one step back so we can keep our personal space. It doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be downgrading. It can just be a simple gesture that gives that removal of space and protection of both that individual and the volunteer. There's nothing wrong with that. These are just some of the situations that we've come across in our ministry, listen, it is not um, it is not unlikely to come across hurdles, bumps, um, little turns in the road, because everyone is different. In this ministry, serving people with disabilities, we have to consider that we are not only serving a disability, especially not only serving disability. We are serving a person who is given a personality by God and brought up in an environment that also adds to their personality. So these are just some ideas to help you along the way, see where we came from, see how we approached the situation, and knowing that really a lot of what we talk about is just some good common sense. And you can do it if we can do it. And we are doing it so you can do it. And I look forward to continuing conversations about these types of things to help you and your disability ministry each and every week. Do I know everything about disability ministry? Do I have all the answers? Have I done everything perfectly? I have absolutely not. But we are going to continue this conversation so that people of all abilities can have the opportunity to know Christ, grow in Him, and serve Him with the gifts that He has given them.